Hey there, welcome to the Product Hive podcast. On this episode, we're bringing you the presentation from our February UX event, where you'll hear from Jacob Graff. Jacob is currently the Vice President of Product at Divi. When building a new product and starting a business, sales-driven founders often focus on rapid deployment and best product practices. Join us as Jacob Graff explains how Divi took the opposite approach and focused on product market fit before prioritizing sales and learn how Divi's approach has helped propel their exponential growth. A big thanks to Lucid for hosting this meetup. And finally, be sure to join our community on Slack where there's always lots of great conversation happening about UX, product management, and more. You can always get an invite to our Slack group and find more information about Product Hive at ProductHive.org. So now, let's hear Jacob's talk, how to effectively build product in a sales-driven organization. So my name is Jacob. I have been with Divi for uh, about two and a half years, and I've been leading product there for most of the time. Uh, previously, I was with Quizzer, where I was mentored into product management and found my passion working with uh, customers, the business, and technology, and kind of finding myself there at the intersection of all of that. Um, so to get started, I want to talk about Blake and Alex. Uh, so Blake and Alex are our co-founders, and they had a vision of a product where you could essentially have this uh, Venmo-esque send and request experience for one account for your family. And uh, being able to give cards out to your kids and being able to send and request money and divvy them funds when you needed to. And they quickly realized uh, this would be great within your business uh, because you have situations where you have, you know, card sharing and, and people who are going through and just spending on their personal cards or on corporate cards and then, you know, not seeing any of those funds come through until the end of the month and then people asking for forgiveness for all the money that they spent. Um, and so wrapping our heads around what Blake and Alex had imagined was not an easy task, but we went and tried to take a vision and marry that vision with core product principles to build something that went and challenged norms and make sure that there was a business plan behind it as well. Um, Surely that that had its pros and cons. Um, we took a long time to actually build the product before we launched it. Um, and you know, that was extremely stressful for me to be building a product for almost a year and a half without any actual customers actively using the product. But you know, it got us to where we're at today. And I think that buying into our founder's vision, uh, you know, making big, bold bets throughout that process and then solving for both our customers' needs and the business's needs together while instilling product principles throughout our organization was what got us to where we're at today. So um, the first thing I kind of wanted to talk about was that uh, leading with and buying into the vision uh, and then applying those product principles. And so talking a little bit about changing language. So, so after a few months of what felt like a lot of dictated demands uh, of product and engineering in those early days before we had a product, um, I was sick of taking that laundry list of features that were brought to us uh, and just people asking, what are we going to build next? What's the next feature that we're going to build? And so 
obtaining data has never been my strong suit up to this point, and especially before we had customers. Uh, and so, and with Blake's intense vision, that got very difficult in the beginning to be able to push back and, and try and figure out what we were going to work on. And so what we decided to do was reframe how people talked about what we were working on. And so we said, at Divi, we don't build features, we solve problems. Uh, and so this language went through and changed everything for us. Uh, the, for the first few months, I would often, anytime that someone would say, I really want to build this feature, and I would say, you know, that's great, but what is the problem that we're trying to solve? And it would very quickly change the way that people uh, looked at what we were trying to do and frame it into problems. And, you know, the, looking at those problems, the, the best place that we started was actually our backlog. Um, and so we looked at our backlog because it was a collection of ideas and, you know, part of our vision and, and a lot of things that we heard from Envision demos that Alex was doing. Alex, our co-founder, was doing hundreds and hundreds of demos trying to explain and understand uh, what customers wanted. And so we, we took those things and we, we looked at that backlog and said, what are the problems that these things are solving? And pairing that with understanding what the jobs of a controller, an accountant, and a finance team, and then just your everyday spender in business were, looking at all of those things and trying to understand what people were doing in their day-to-day -day lives in, in business spend, uh, it allowed us to easily prioritize and start picking the right things for us to build. Um, we decided to you know, build for people in their everyday lives in business. Uh, and this mindset is something that we constantly have to push. And I correct people all the time on saying like, we really want to build this feature. And you know, you just have to walk them back and say, all right, like, what are the problems that you're trying to solve? Like, help me understand like, what exactly you're trying to get to. And you know, I, <laughs> sometimes a defined request still comes on product uh, to execute for the business. And, and we get that all the time of just, hey, we really need to, to do this thing. And it's like, okay, we'll work with you, let's do it. And then, you know, Going through that exercise of understanding what problems that, that business request may solve um, is still helpful for communicating you know, what value it may bring or exposing where it may bring unexpected value or in the best situation, shining opportunities for smaller scoped projects uh, that may solve the exact same problem. So kind of getting into that, how can you know, we organize our teams to be able to serve the customers and the business uh, needs together? Um, on the first day of Divi employee orientation, I go through and, you know, or Patrick or someone else on the, on the product team, we go through and we ask, you know, why is product at Divi different than, than other companies after we've kind of walked them through our process and explained to them. And the answer is product at our, in our company is always in line with the business and never at odds with our customers. Um, this task is often insurmountable and, and is a huge challenge for us to take on. But the constant effort makes for a product team that is helping and serving the rest of the company and customers rather than being a servant to those same company and customers. Um, responding to the business and customers means a constant change in priority. And Divi changes on a day-to-day -day basis so much that I can't get the organization to really maintain focus for more than a couple of weeks or even a month. Uh, and it would be, I, I think that 
sometimes it's due to a false alarm, right? Someone saying like, we have to go and do this thing and like point in this direction and go and fix all of these things. But a lot of times that's, there's actually good information that comes to light. And you know, it's new information that when that comes to light, it would be foolish for us to push back and ignore the opportunity. Um, but oftentimes in the name of focus or, you know, the cost of shifting or the organization to go and do something else, um, product often pushes away and resists that and, and puts themselves at odds with the business and then ultimately customers and their needs. And so while focus and delivery are still super key to product development, for us, the answer turned out to be scope really small and ship very often, which, as we know, can be a lot uh, easier said than done. But I'd love to show an example of kind of how we how we did this. Um, and so I actually have Brock and Jenny here. Do you guys want to raise your hands? Brock and Jenny. Hey. Um, so Brock and Jenny are uh, some of our uh, product managers and designer duo. Um, and at Divi, we went through and we made managing budgets super easy, right? So you could hop in, you could add people to your budget, set the limits, get new amounts divvied out to people every single month. And it made it really easy to create those virtual cards and kind of set everything up inside of Divi. But what we found was that it was super cumbersome to go the other way around, to manage an individual and the budgets that they were a part of, and to manage everything from an individual's perspective of how much can they spend across the organization and across all these budgets. Before, you'd have to go through and you'd have to click into each budget, and it was very cumbersome to, to go through and handle that for, for customers. And so what we did was this was kind of the solution that, that Jenny and Brock came up with. And they went through and they said, you know, we'll, we'll show it just like on our budgets page, but we'll break it down by budgets instead. And then you'll have the ability to click in and you can edit all of that and whatnot. But uh, this project would have taken, you know, a decent amount of time longer, and we wouldn't have been able to impact our customers as quickly as we wanted to with it. There were, there were needs that we discovered, and we wanted to start making improvements right away. And so we took this, and, and they went through, and they said, you know, what could we do from this page that would help customers right away? And then how could we incrementally build on that? So that one, if priority shifted, it would be okay. We shipped something impactful, and they can, start, they can keep using it, and it will make a difference for them today. But uh, otherwise, you know, we'll just keep shipping things incrementally and getting it out to them. And so this is what shipped yesterday. It's kind of the first version of this. But you go to a person now in Divi, and you can actually just see the budgets that they're a part of. And you can click on one of those, and it takes you to that budgets page to be able to you know, see all the people and do everything that you do from a budget. Um, you can't edit funds right here. You, you can't do a lot of the same things that you can do on that other page. You don't have like a full summary chart, but uh, this went out in a week, right? I actually was super shocked because I had a uh, experience with, uh, with Brock where Brock and Jenny went in, in our product demo one week, they showed the designs and they pulled up this design and they were like, this is what we're doing. And everyone was like, yes, this is so great. This solves that problem right away and we'll be able to start helping customers. Um, and then the next week I was looking at the agenda for product demo and I went over to Brock and I was like, Brock, I saw that you put that on there again. Did the designs change? What's, what's going on? And he was like, no, it's done. Like we're shipping it tomorrow. And I was like, oh, I, I laughed, like audibly laughed. Um, because like capturing that vision of shipping incrementally and, and getting things out to customers just 
makes me so excited and, and brings me so much joy. Um, and so I have this phrase uh, printed up on a poster, and I've had it for a while now, but uh, scope is one hell of a drug, so just say no. Um, in small doses, it can be used to do something incredible. Uh, and so I used to see the constant change uh, in an organization as, as a bad thing, and sometimes it is, right? And embracing it, though, in product and engineering for us has been a challenge that has allowed us to impact customers more directly and meet the business's needs as they change. And so we're not perfect at it. It's not a hard and fast rule, and it has its trade-offs. But if you're going to have if you're not going to have more than a month to actually work on something uh, before the entire business changes and you have to go in and do something else, uh, why scope something for, for larger than that? Let's figure out how we can bring things down into that lowest effort, highest impact uh, you know, quadrants to be able to get things out to customers and make impact. Um, so yeah. And so taking that and, and looking at how we can scope those things down and, and, and you know, get things small, how do we make big bold bets you know early on i kind of talked about how in the beginning our founders decided we are going to build a product and ship something that is more fully featured and has a business plan behind it and everything before we get it uh you know before we start onboarding customers and getting customers onto it and that was their big bold bet and for the organization that was hard for us to kind of adopt sometimes but at the same time, it was, you know, it, it was what we were bought in on. We bought into their vision and we decided to just apply product principles as early as we could and start going for it. And so we make big, bold bets at Divi, but we keep scope small. Uh, over and over, Blake and Alex have brought me ideas on Divi that almost always feel absolutely insane. And late night Slack messages from Blake are a very regular occurrence for me, but my therapy is going super, super well. Um, <laughs> After calming down, though, and understanding what problems, what the problems are that they're trying to solve, we can almost always come up with a solution and, and get something out there. But the trick is that once you understand what that problem is, and you've gone through that journey of redefining what the solution could be to be able to solve those problems, it's it's not an easy task to go and redefine that solution for your founders or stakeholders. Uh, it's it, it just sometimes they, they don't necessarily get it right when you take them there. And so you have to take that solution that you've gone through and redefined, and we have to go through the same journey to get buy-in and be able to show them that, you know, what you imagined was this thing that, you know, was quite complex, but we can actually help you get it into something that is actually chippable to customers in a, in a very reasonable amount of time. And so... Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, kind of two aspects, one where we did this really poorly and one where uh, we actually, you know, shortly after this, we, we did it pretty well. Um, so the 16 categories, if you use Divi uh, or have for at all for the last year, um, you'll notice that every single time you make a purchase, uh, you had to select from this default list of 16 categories. Um, and it's super obnoxious, right? The, uh, I mean, very quickly, well, before we get into that. Like the original Divi was built with this idea of hardline control. And at the and honestly, this was something that Blake and Alex in their vision just said that we had to have. And it was something that was going to be so core and key to Divi. Uh, and so we kind of just nodded and, and said, all right, like let's do it. And so what this resulted in was a system of 
hardline teams where you, an individual could be a part of one team and these default 16 categories that if you looked at the categories, it in theory actually worked really well. So like, let's say that I'm taking a trip and I need to book a flight, make sure that my lodging is covered, have some uh, funds for food and you know transportation and whatnot. And so I'd go through and I would say, okay, I think I need you know this much for flights, this much for lodging. And I would request those funds into those individual categories. And so then every single time that I'd go to spend, I'd pull out the app, I'd tap which category it was coming from. And then when I swiped my card, that expense automatically got booked to the correct category. And so then every single thing that you were buying, you would always be in policy and you would always be right in, in the correct uh, amount that you, were, that you were spending from. But beta customers hated it. And, and very quickly, we started to realize that, you know, if you're man, like, let's say that I'm a team owner in this situation, or I'm a budget owner, and I have 10 people, and I have each person has 100, or excuse me, each person has 16 categories that they're going through and requesting funds from, and I'm managing, uh, you know, dollar amounts on each of those categories. For 10 people, I'm managing 160 different like pools of funds for people and watching how that impacts my budget. And it just got so cumbersome so quickly. Um, and so <laughs> we being locked to a single budget and having to manage those funds in the 16 categories, which often were not even relevant to your company or how you wanted them to be, was just wrong. And so we learned and we went through and we talked to customers and we began to understand that the power of visibility uh, made Divi different than just traditional credit cards or, or just expense reports because with visibility, you could go through and instead of everyone spending on their personal cards or their corporate cards, getting statements at the end of the month and then putting those against budgets to see how you did uh, and then relying throughout the month on policy enforcement to try and stay within those bounds, we brought all of that to the forefront. And so as a budget owner, like as a department head who, who holds a budget and is managing that, I can see how much I'm spending at any given point throughout the month. And so all of my spenders within my budget also know that I can see where we're at at any given point throughout the month. And they're requesting the funds that they need throughout the month, or we've set up you know, a system where they're getting funds divvied to them on a regular basis. And so this whole need of having super hardline controls starts to go away because visibility is so powerful because at any given point as, as an accountant or a controller or finance or budget owner, anyone, I can hop into Divi and I can see exactly where we're at throughout the month. And so with that thing that we learned uh, very difficult uh, in the beginning, uh, we went through and we changed it a little bit. And so we built out budgets and we made it so that you could be a part of multiple budgets. And we made it so that instead of managing funds to categories, you're just managing and, and divvying funds to people. And when you divvy those funds to a person within a budget, they can go and they can spend. Uh, and people like this a lot more and it made it a lot easier. And we found that every single step that we took, we kind of took away a little bit of control and gave a little bit more flexibility because the visibility was so powerful. They still had those controls there, they just were not as, as stringent and they could accomplish the same things that they needed to without it being so cumbersome. So uh, this was painful for us though. We went through and developed this entire system based on this idea of 16 fixed categories, 
divvying funds to those categories. And up until literally like a month ago, that was like that code was still in our system and it was so costly for us to be able to go back and re-architect that system from those 16 categories into just a more flexible custom category system. So I think that it's important for us to look and see how can we move a lot of that learning up earlier and earlier in the process and how can we take that feedback from our founders and from our sales teams and, and from all different aspects of the growth organization and incorporate it back into uh, our product process. And so the next one was the SaaS widget. Uh, Shortly thereafter, this uh, kind of initial version of Divi, uh, we started to implement virtual cards. Uh, if I had a dollar for every single time that Alex came to me and said SaaS widget, I probably could have exited Divi in that first like six months or so. But uh, he did hundreds of demos before we ever had a product. Uh, he, he had we worked with product or we worked with design to kind of build out envision walkthroughs that he could go through and actually just pitch Divi and demo Divi as if it was a live product. And he did hundreds of these demos. And those came back to us uh, in a way that uh, was super influential to us. But this thing that he would always come back on was, uh, we need to have a SaaS widget. First version of Divi, you need to be able to get in, you need to be able to you know, manage all of your subscriptions and be able to have these complex limits and, and, and controls on, on people and merchants. And you know, it needs to be able to be monthly and weekly and daily and quarterly and yearly and, uh, and all these different versions of, of uh, controls on uh, subscriptions. And it just wasn't reasonable for us to be able to do that. And so I, you know, I remember so many Envision comps and whiteboard sessions filled with what this was going to be before we ever even generated a virtual card in our system. And even though I knew from all of those demos that there was something there and that he was onto something, it just, without having customers and being still in that process of integrating with our bank, it just did not make sense to take it on. And so. As we began uh, adding virtual cards, we got to that point where we started to integrate virtual cards into our system. And uh, those virtual cards were you know, 16 digit numbers that we could basically ask the bank to give us a unique 16 digit number right back into our system and show that number there. And so instead of having a card for you know, every person, you could actually start to have cards for every single purchase that you were making online. So it was way more secure, you had way less card sharing, and if one of those services got you know, frauded or your physical card got compromised, all of your other subscriptions, you wouldn't have to go back and update all of those, all those card numbers. And as we started to understand like, the value of what that would be at, when we were implementing virtual cards, we went back to Alex's feedback and we started to say, you know, what problems was this SaaS widget trying to solve? You know, how could, we, how could we take this idea and this concept and bring it back into Divi? And so uh, we started to build this, and this is kind of what became of it. And so this is creating a virtual card today. Uh, you know, we looked at virtual cards, and we looked at our budgeting system, and we said, we already have a mechanism for divvying out funds to a person every single month. And so what if we could use that same mechanism to divvy out funds to a card instead? And that would meet a lot of the requirements for almost all of like, what we're trying to solve with this SaaS widget. And so you know, we made it so that you could tie those against budgets and you could start to track your funds on all of your uh, virtual cards that you were creating. And you could set card limits you know, and, and say, every month I want this card to get this amount of funds. And 
very quickly, this became something that could solve uh, the same problem that this complex SaaS widget was going to. And this is what we ended up launching with, was what's a virtual card system where you could go through and you could actually create a card for every subscription that you had and say how much money that card was going to get. Um, all based off of our existing system that we were already building. Uh, and so without that sales demo and insight, it probably would have taken us months or possibly even years to like actually grasp the way that we decided to use virtual cards. And we're so grateful to how Alex went and got all of that data for us from those you know, early initial demos and, and vision uh, comps that he was showing. Uh, but at the same time, applying product principles and looking at you know, how can we solve these problems got us to where we're at today a lot quicker. And so, you know, as product people, it is not us versus them. You know, we have a huge task of serving our customers and teammates to make them successful at what they do. And managing expectations and helping founders and sales and growth teams to adopt product principles is a mountainous task that we decide to take on. But at the end of the day, helping these people see problems and not features Keeping scope small and organizing your team to serve will actually create a product-driven culture and organization in any company. So, thanks. A big thanks to Jacob Graff for presenting. And again to Lucid for hosting the event. If you learned some things from Jacob's talk, be sure to share it with your team. Or share it on Twitter and mention us at product underscore hive. Sharing these talks is a great way to support Product Hive. As always, be sure to check out all our upcoming events. You can find them by searching for Product Hive on meetup.com. And while you're there, go ahead and join the group so you always get the latest updates. We also have a YouTube channel where you can find videos of all the past talks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your feed soon, and we'll see you at one of our next events. We'll